Welcome to the podcast. We talk about all the things that are hidden in the shadows. This is Isaac. This is Megan. And on this related, related episode. Well, anyway. I feel like we're starting like episode off like that. Because uh, we're busy and shit, so. Yeah. Doing cases and such. Shit which... and busy. What? Oh. Shit and busy? <laughs> Sorry, I was, uh, I don't know. Reversing what you said because you said busy and shit, and I said shit and busy. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Oh, calm down. Already starting off the episode rough. Well, uh, wipe those tears in your eyes. <laughs> anyway. I know it's been like a while since we actually had episodes coming out, but if you're a loyal fan and you've stuck with us and you've been waiting impatiently, uh, we got a lot of good stuff coming. Actually, a lot of episodes coming. Um, one announcement before we get onto the episode. Uh, we are having a bonus episode this week that is going along with us, I guess. Anyway, so our, me and Megan's 10-year wedding anniversary yeah. is Thursday. Yes. Um, the ninth. Oh my seventh. God. Oh my gosh. Seventh. I don't know why you think ninth. Something about it's that because one. this is the ninth month. That's right. Nine seven sixteen is when we were married. Yeah. Excuse me. Nine seven thirteen. <laughs> Man, you failed on all levels 16 there. Sixteen was when Killing was, was born. born. That's the, right. Yeah, ten. So twenty thirteen is when we were married. Oh my uh, god. Because <laughs> ten years is twenty three. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just butchered that. Anyway, no, we're going to have a bonus episode Thursday on our anniversary because um, we're too broke to do anything for our 10-year anniversary. So we just thought, <laughs> hey, let's put an episode out talking about uh, our relationship, how we how we met, um, all the paranormal stuff that happened to us when we started first dating, um, the weird stuff around our wedding, uh, the weird stuff on our honeymoon. And uh, maybe possibly throw in some other stories of uh, like haunted relationships and such. Like yeah. maybe a ghost that stuck around because they, they didn't want to leave their partner and stuff like that. And then also, same day, we would probably do a live that Thursday evening. Yeah, just uh, chill out and spend time with you. Yeah. So look forward to those things. Yes. And then we also have a bonus episode next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. That one's a guest episode. Yes. With... Cody. Yes, from um from Sharpside Paranormal. Yes. Lots of good stuff. We have honestly coming up the next couple of months we're probably going to have a lot of uh, a lot of episodes. So get ready. Be thankful that you had a listening break from us because it's going to be bam 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 bam. Yes, cuz me and Megan were discussing a lot of good ideas. And then too it leads into the Halloween season and that's always jam packed. So Yeah. I think every paranormal podcaster puts out more more content around that time. Well, yeah, because I think people tend to search paranormal podcasts around that time to get the spooky vibes, you know? Yeah. You know? Everyone sees a peak in numbers around that time. Too bad they don't stay. Yeah. Well, I guess we gotta hook them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, today's episode is a correlation from last week's episode, or last episode. Actually, the next couple episodes are gonna be... Kind of focused around that. So one of the spots last episode that we talked about in uh, the plane disappearance episode was 
the Alaskan Triangle. And we've been on this little, like, triangle location thing for a bit. We did the Bridgewater Triangle. Last episode, we covered three different triangles, a little bit, uh, a little bit of an overview of the Bermuda, the Alaskan, and then also uh, the Dragon's Triangle near Japan Mm. and Guam and all that. And uh, this one in particular, there's a lot of natural things that could be causing these issues. But then at the same time, it's one of those spots where you're just like, there's so much remoteness and wilderness and untapped land area that you're just like, this is definitely breeding ground. If something supernatural is occurring, it would make sense. And then two, from invested not investigating from looking more into the alaskan triangle i've kind of like conjured up some theories that um about like energy itself and like vortexes because in this spot as well as like what's called in the what's in the bermuda triangle and in the dragon's triangle they also believe it's a vortex but the difference is the bermuda triangle is in the ocean and the Dragon's Triangle is in the ocean. But this one is more like the Bridgewater Triangle in the sense of it covers land as well. This covers land and sea and mountain ranges and all of that. So this episode's all about the Alaskan Triangle. Yes. Which apparently you found someone's information. It looks like we're going to have to do two parts. Yes. So what we're going to do is this one's actually kind of a unique two-parter. Uh, so the first part is going to be kind of just like the backstory, their overall um, things that happened, kind of our theories. But then next week uh, for a part two, I'm going to go more into the stories, the disappearances, because there's a lot, as you'll find. And that's one of the main reasons why we are covering this is because a lot of people go missing. Um, but we're going to focus more on like the, co- not coincidences, but the similarities that each different, um, missing, missing case of planes of whatever, like kind of correlate all to that. Plus I will talk about the psychic side of it because there was a rumor or not rumor, but there, it was covered a little bit, but when you dig into it, there's not much information about a psychic who remote viewed into the Alaskan Triangle and ended up dying days later. Mm. And I, when I first started researching, of course, you know, can't help it. <laughs> I remote viewed and I will share with you what I saw, um, what I got to pull from me from remote viewing, what I think went on, why somebody would become ill if they remote viewed in, and then also more of the psychic side. I'm going to remote view as I'm doing the episode. Uh, so you didn't tell me that. Yeah, I don't know that that just came. I don't know. I felt like that that needed to happen. So we're gonna tr- test that. We're gonna see because uh, my remote viewing has gotten crazy, and that's partially why too this episode is late is because I went through like a, a serious a serious upgrade of I don't even know what. So it's like my abilities were on a three, and they just amped up everything to a sixty. So. <laughs> like I am smelling, hearing, and everything else when I remote view. It is it's it's getting crazy. But um I was thinking in my head, why not share with you guys something that I do on a regular basis? So Yeah. We're gonna test that out and see how that goes. Next, I know you get annoyed when I ask you questions when you're remote viewing. Yeah. So <laughs> we're gonna test that out and see what what that's like. 
because like I said, the remote viewing has got more intense and I'm hoping I can kind of, so when you hear it in the episode, we'll have a part where I'm actually going to remote view and Isaac will ask me questions and I will be remote viewing when I'm doing it. So, so yeah. So that's, that's, that's part two, right? Yeah, that's going to be part two. So it's more like the psychic side, the disappearances, all of that. This is just like giving you guys all of the information that's kind of already out there in terms of um, the backstories, what they think is going on, our maybe theories on what they think is going on. And then we'll probably put our final like nail in the coffin um, theories at that, that part two. Get what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, Alaska Triangle is something new to me. As much as I've been fascinated with the paranormal, there's a lot of stuff out there that I haven't heard of. So this would be something new for me. Yeah. So with the Alaskan Triangle, it is a triangle, obviously. So you have Anchorage to the south, uh, Juneau to the southeastern panhandle, and then Barrow, which is no longer called Barrow. It is, I would try and say it, but I know I'm going to absolutely butcher it because um, it's a native, it's an indigenous name, um, but it's a small town on the north coast. So you have those um, points. Um, but the reason why the Alaskan Triangle is looked at as being, whoa, something is going on there is because since 1988, they've had more than 16,000 people go missing. Basically, four in a thousand people go missing. And that's the thing that is really kind of like confusing scientists and investigators and things like that. Because there's so much unexplained stuff there. And it hasn't been looked at completely because of the climate and the weather that takes place in Alaska. Because the way Alaska is, it's got severe weather. Um, very dense forest, huge mountain peaks, uh, 17 out of 20 of the tallest peaks in the United States are in Alaska, uh, massive glaciers, uh, hidden caves, deep crevices. Um, and that's one of the things that they think could possibly be why some planes go missing is that they crash in these crevices and snow and they have year round snowfall. And I didn't know that. Um, but actually the Northern part of the state goes into tundra so Mm. that's that's interesting and and a lot of the different areas are inhabitable so that's interesting um playing more on the natural and and logical kind of ideas of why people go missing you know they venture off they get they think that they can go out and and go to these places or they think they could fly their planes fly or and sail the ships and stuff like that and then it ends up being that the weather changes that everything just goes downhill and there was a show that i was watching um about the alaska triangle i believe it was called missing in alaska where they actually start flying near where a lot of these shipwrecks and not shipwrecks but plane wrecks occurred and you could see the weather immediately changes so one of the main stories that came out about the Alaskan Triangle that we mentioned in last episode was um, October 1972 when the small plane that was carrying the U.S. Congressman Hale Boggs of Louisiana, uh, Alaskan Congressman Nick Bakich, um, an aide and the pilot, and basically disappeared while flying over the Alaskan Triangle. 
Now, a lot of scientists, like I said, say basically like these planes, they hit bad weather or they think that they can fly through this area and there's weird stuff happening and they get disoriented and they crash in these crevices and then snow covers the um, the plane and they can't find them. And they literally, during the uh, the plane crash in October of 1972, they literally searched for 39 days. They put out massive amounts of uh, search teams, military and civilian uh, planes and stuff like that to try and find the, try to find anything, the wreckage, the guys, anything. And they couldn't find a single thing. What we talked about last, last episode, which was, um, you know, the Bermuda Triangle, the Dragon's Triangle, that's all on ocean. But this one is, it's, if I had to relate it to anything, it kind of reminds me of the Bridgewater Triangle. The difference between the Alaskan Triangle and the Bridgewater Triangle, though, is that during research, um, when I was researching everything, yes, there is some haunted places within the Alaskan Triangle, but it's nothing compared to the Bridgewater Triangle. Like, if you go look at the Bridgewater Triangle, there's obviously, there's the Hockamock Swamp, there is uh, Freetown National Forest, stuff like that. But there's not a lot of stuff going on in terms of, like, oh, this spot within the Bridgewater Triangle. It's, it's literally the Alaskan Triangle as a whole. Now, the difference between the Alaskan Triangle and, say, like, the Bridgewater Triangle is the terrain is 100% different. So, it's even got forged. Forges? Fords. It's spelled F-J-O-R-D-S. Fjord. Yes. And it's basically, like, little rivers amongst huge mountains. And they normally only have that in, like, uh, I think it was, like, Norway is one spot. Chile is another spot that has them. Well, the word fjord is a Nordic word. Yeah. It's yeah. very, I mean, it makes for very, very pretty scenery. And that's the thing with Alaska is it's absolutely beautiful, but the wilderness itself can be very dangerous because not only are you dealing with animals, um, but you're dealing with the ease of getting lost. Um, even experienced hikers and people like that get lost. Um, a couple different theories to the supernatural, like we said in most of the plane episode, comes from alien encounters, like UFO um, theories. There is even a theory that there's a UFO bait or UFO, an alien base in Alaska. Um, and then two, they there's also cryptid sightings. There's Bigfoot sightings, but in particular, there is a native uh, folklore about a half otter, half man type of being called the... That's the weirdest combination ever. Yeah, I know. But when you hear about it, kind of, to me, it sounds similar, uh, how it lures you, I should say, is kind of similar to like a Wendigo or something like that. Mm. It kind of makes sense how they describe it, but it's called the Kushtaka. So just to give you a little bit of information about the Kushtaka, because I thought this was super interesting and now that I've kind of like crept into it. But the Kushtaka is a creature from um, the folklore of the indigenous... Clinket tribe. I hope I'm saying that right. I looked it up to make sure I'm I'm saying it right, but I don't know. So if I'm not, I apologize. Uh, but basically, the Clinket people of the southeast Alaska um, is described as a shape shifting creature that inhabits the coastal areas and waterways of the region. The name literally translates to land otter man. Um, <laughs> that's not. 
I mean, it kind of a little. Uh, well, here's the thing: it apparently can shape shift between an otter or human, and then both. So every time I hear any combination of man and animal, I always think of a man bear pig. Oh my gosh, I knew that was coming. Half man, half bear, half pig. Gosh, um, <laughs> but it's known for its ability to transform into various forms, including that of a human, an otter, or a combination of both. It is said to have the ability to mimic human voices, luring people into dangerous situation or leading them astray. The Kushtaka is believed to be mischievous and sometimes a malevolent creature. It is said to be responsible for causing people to become lost or disoriented in the wilderness, leading them to drown or disappear. Um, some legends also describe the Kushtaka as a protector of animals in the natural world, while others portray it as a vengeful being that seeks to harm humans. Um, encounters with the Kushtaka are often associated with feelings of unease, fear, or some sense of being watched. The Clinket traditions and stories caution against venturing alone near waterways or coastal areas, especially during the night, to avoid encounters with the Kushtaka. So, so that's one one kind of like cryptid um, idea that people think that's why so many people go missing. They get taken by the Kushtaka. Almost like a, a, a it's degree like a, of a skinwalker. Kind of. And then it also reminds me of like a mermaid had legs and not a tail. You know what I mean? Would you just be a man? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> But you get what I'm saying. A mermaid with legs? You mean the human top with the human bottom part? Wouldn't that just be a person? Yeah. I guess you're right. But you know what I mean? Because, like, it can walk. Because the way it lures people and then drowns them. Siren. Reminds me of a siren. The aspect of a siren. So that was. That's one thing. So, and then, of course, like most of these triangles, there is the idea that there is a energy vortex. A portal. Well, that's what I found out. Did you know? An, and that's what I also, I did not know, but a technically a portal and a vortex are different. How? A portal opens up, right? Mm-hmm. This is this is what I looked it up. Like, I literally asked Google, is the vortex and a portal different? Because I was thinking that it was somewhat the similar thing. And it said that technically people like to kind of like say it's the same thing, but technically it's different. So... A vortex is almost like stagnant energy, like just energy there. When a portal, it kind of gives a gateway to the other side, like to the other side. Mm. It's energy, but it's almost like a door when a vortex is more just like a spinning ball of energy. Now it makes me wonder how many vortexes I've closed and versus how many portals I've closed. Yeah. So, like I said, that one of the concepts that they think is energy vortex. So, essentially, an energy vortex is swirling centers of energetic energy concentrated in specific places where energy cracks the most. Apparently, it spirals in a cone shape clockwise or counterclockwise, and which direction it goes determines if it's a positive or a negative vortex. Mm. So... You want to think of positive vortex as kind of like a place where, like, healing and you feel uh, just at peace and stuff like that. So you would think a positive vortex would be like um, Egyptian pyramids, uh, Stonehenge, the Sedona Desert, sacred temples, churches, stuff like that. And then the negative would be like the 
Bermuda Triangle, Japanese Devil's Sea, Easter Island, like that kind of thing. Hmm. So, um, and positive positive vortexes, um, they go in a clockwise motion, enhancing energy flow. And then the negative go the opposite, and they cause a depletion or draining of energy in the area. Dun, dun, dun. And so that led me to believe. You know, come to think of it, here that's that's correct because of all portals that I gra- grabbed and closed, they're all were going counterclockwise. They were swirling the opposite direction. Because I remember turning my hand clockwise, like I was turning a knob. Because I'm right-handed, so it's like I was spinning it clockwise mm-hmm. to reverse the spin that was going on. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And that also made me think of this thing called... You're going to laugh at it, but it's my theory. And I'm going to name it, I guess, the way I, I thought it. But I am calling this the gong theory. Gong? <laughs> yeah. So a gong, when you see a gong get hit, Right? Or you mm. hear it too. It starts at a center point and it radiates, right? Mm. Like, da, you know, like that. And so I have this theory that these places that are vortexes, certain things, I don't know how yet, I gotta research more, but hit a center point or cause a center point to then get hit and radiate energy, causing mishaps from people. Hmm. Like planes or disorientation even around you if you're around it. Because if a positive vortex can give you energy, essentially, and the opposite drains you, I could see how disorientation and stuff like that could occur. And it also makes sense for what you said about how it's almost like there's, like, energetic, like, volcanoes that randomly erupt or whatever. Right? That's what it kind of reminds me of. Like, there's some... I don't... I don't know, maybe a change in the atmospherics or something like that that causes these things to go off. But I think that could be one of the the theories that happens. Hmm. The gong theory. You got to find a better word for that. Well, no, because that's the thing. That's the thing that, well, that's the craziness. So actually, when I was researching everything about vortexes, that's what I basically, I kept seeing like a gong. And I was like, why am I seeing a gong? Right. And that's the best way I can describe it. And that's what it was showing me is like when somebody hits, the energy radiates. Mm. So like say you're flying and all of a sudden, I again, I don't know how, but something hits that center point and sends out like a, uh, like a ripple, like a right of just like energy. And it's supposed to be draining. It would make sense for that to mess up instruments, for that to mess up everything. Because, of course, you know, with the Alaskan Triangle, just like every uh, other triangle that's described, they, you know, mention uh, electromagnetic anomalies and stuff like that that can mess with the compasses. Because a lot of people have said that their compasses have been off track by 30 degrees. Yeah. So, could that... Because you got to think, like, some people... Some people flying wise can go through these things the bermuda triangle the devil's um the dragon's triangle near japan and then 
this one. They can fly through the Alaskan Triangle. So why are some ships, why are some planes going through, but they're not getting affected? I don't understand that. Sounds like, uh, <laughs> as much as I like the cold, looks like we make a trip away, way, 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 way up there. Yeah. But, but don't forget that Alaska is like northern west Canada. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's very, very beautiful, though. Like, if you look at pictures, it's really nice. Um, So that's one of the things that they are also saying is that. And I don't think it's a I don't think it's a portal because I think if it was a portal. Well, it depends if you're talking about a portal to another dimension or if you're talking about a portal like just where spirits can come in and out. And I because I, that's the thing is like when you research Alaska, you don't hear like when you research the Bridgewater Triangle, you get all of these places that are haunted within the Bridgewater Triangle. But with the Alaskan Triangle, you don't get that. You just get like people are missing. And why are they missing? And that's the thing is, like, you can't not say there's not some natural theories coming through. I mean, obviously, you know, somebody, especially because Alaska gets a lot of tourists that probably don't know what they're doing when it comes to um, the terrain. The wilderness. Yeah. And there's, like, again, you don't, it's remote. So you don't even know what animals are, true, like, out there. You know, and um, I know when we were re- when I was researching, because I always like go into the comments of like videos and stuff like that. One of the research or one of the things was that this one person who I think I talked about it last episode, but she grew up in Alaska. She grew up in the remote area and she grew up. She lives now near the National Forest. And she says, you know, she's grown up knowing the different animals in the area and what they sound like and stuff like that. You know, injured animals, uh, baby animals, like all of the animals that are native to that part of Alaska. And she goes, there's sounds that I've never, like, I've heard that that don't sound like animals. So there's that. So kind of going now into the alien theory. So I was like, at first, I was like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's always seems like there's aliens involved in these like remote places. I mean, it makes sense because it's remote. There's, they have tons of area that they could go in and nobody will know or nobody will see. This story in particular in 1986, a strange report was, uh, sent, told to the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA. Um, basically, Japanese Airlines Flight 1628 had an encounter with three unidentified aerial phenom- phenomena, UAPs, which I didn't know what that meant, by the way. When I first saw it, I was like, UAPs, what is that? Yeah, they change it from UFO to UAPs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so basically, the pilot said that he was flying and he noticed, at first he thought it was military, um, but then he noticed the UAPs were keeping pace with the planes as it was moving and moving in erratic motions while emitting bursts of lights. And these claims were verified by civilian and military radar. But there was three of them that was flying next to the plane. Mm. Could you imagine looking out, like being on a plane, looking at what the hell is that? There's something by the wing, some thing. Oh my gosh, every time. Um, but. That kind of. I, know, I looked out the window story. when I was flying from Denver. 
It's like trying to see if there's anything out there. Like, no, nope, nothing but clouds. <sighs> that's so crazy. But that's one thing that uh, is discussed. Now, because I am who I am, I tend to also look around these triangles for one, because Alaska does have a lot of missing people mm. overall. And there is people that unfortunately kill people. And so I always look around these triangles to see if like any serial killers ever go near these, these areas with all of this negative energy you would think that maybe they are automatically called like, you know, how like a, a positive person might be drawn to like a place that has light and all that stuff. So I was wondering if there was ever a serial killer in the or not Bridgewater, in the Alaskan Triangle. Mm. Um, there was some. I didn't mention it in the Bridgewater Triangle episode because I always get weird when it get, like we start getting true crimey, but um, there was some around the Bridgewater Triangle area. Outside, not inside. And this is also what I find interesting about this one in particular. Is it, But when I first started looking into the Alaskan Triangle, this was even before, even before I, like, started saying that we were going to do an episode for this this is just me looking into it for the plane episodes it took me to a it just made me feel like there was like predator like serial killer vibes and i have a theory that a lot of serial that there is serial killers out there that the government does not disclose to people that are in remote areas and there was one his name was robert hansen uh, he was a serial killer in the 1970s and early 1980s in Anchorage, Alaska. So he was basically, he was, he was classified as an American serial killer, and he was known as the Butcher Baker. He operated in and around Anchorage during the 1970s and early 1980s. He was born in Iowa, but he moved to Alaska in the early 1960s and settled in Anchorage, where he worked as a baker and owned a bakery. Hansen's crimes were brutal. He basically targeted young women, predominantly prostitutes and dancers, whom he would abduct and take to remote areas in the Alaskan wilderness. Uh, he would release them and hunt them with a rifle, um, treating them as prey. Yes, Nicolas Cage was in a movie about this. It was like, there was a movie about this? Yeah. yeah. Um, he would fly his victims to remote areas in his private plane. His crimes went undetected for y- several years due to his uh, careful planning and uh, the way I guess he would dispose of, not dispose, but get. Once his victims were not alive, how he would bury them or. I, I can't find dispose. a word. Dispose, yes. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like that word. <laughs> um, uh, in 1983, though, one of his intended victims, Cindy Paulson, managed to escape and report her ordeal to the police. Her testimony led to an investigation that uncovered evidence linking Hansen to multiple murders. In 1984, Robert Hansen was arrested and charged with multiple counts of murder, kidnappings, and sexual assault and other crimes. He eventually confessed to killing 17 women, although it is believed that he may have not been re- he may have been responsible for more victims. Hansen cooperated with authorities and provided information about the locations where he buried some of his victims. Uh, in 1984, Hansen was convicted and sentenced to 461 years plus life in prison without the possibility of parole. 
Uh, he was incarcerated at the Spring Creek Correctional Center in Seward, Alaska, and he died on August 24th, 20, 21st, 2014, at the age of 75, while still serving his sentence. Mm. Which I found it interesting. You know, like, he flew planes to the remote areas, and he flew in the Alaskan Triangle, why he never had any issues. Isn't that weird? Yeah. How did he not have any issues? You gotta think, 17 victims, he at least did it, like, 17 times. So, you know? Yeah. And he was an active flyer, so how... And he wasn't even from Alaska, that's another thing. He wasn't from Alaska, so how did he do it? It just doesn't make any sense. So, I don't know. I... Because I always like to look at the uh, true crime aspect to that, especially with missing people. It's, I mean, it's the first thing you kind of wonder. And that was the first kind of vibe that I got when I was looking into the Alaskan Triangle. So I thought it was very, very, very interesting when, and a shout out to Mike from Unknown Paranormal, because he was the one that actually found out about that. So, <laughs> but uh, yes, so that is pretty much it on the backstories and stuff of the Alaskan Triangle. There is tons of disappearances and stuff like that we're going to get into in part two. And like I said, I am going to remote view there and kind of cover more of the psychic side of things. Um, when it comes to Alaskan Triangle, what I feel, this is the thing though, with the, Ala when I look at like the Bermuda Triangle and I look at um, the other triangles that we've covered so far. So the Bridgewater. So Bridgewater Triangle, I go, oh, snap. You know, that's that's intense. If I had to rate intensity, it would probably be 7 out of 10. Close to 8 out of 10, right? It's, mm. it's intense. It's intense, I should say, like, what is there, like, entity-wise. It is intense. But... And the Bermuda Triangle has got something going on, I believe. Like, vortexy thing kind of going on. I don't think, to me, I don't think it's a pocket to another dimension. And I also think that there's alien occurrences around these things because of the energy. You know? I think, I mean, it's intriguing. I, I feel like there could be, I mean, but there's alien encounters everywhere. To a degree. I mean, you could be... What was that one city that the random thing crashed in their backyard or something? It was a city city. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, it can literally happen everywhere. Is it? Is it because there's an actual vortex there that's happening? Who knows? But the Bermuda Triangle is intense. But I would... I don't know. I just don't... It does not feel the same as the Alaskan Triangle. The Alaskan Triangle... I would... Well, I mean, I would be scared to go in the Bermuda Triangle as well, but... There is something different with the Alaskan Triangle from the triangles that we've covered so far. And it is, it is gnarly. Yeah. But it's not like entity-wise. Like the Bridgewater Triangle reminds me of, oh, crap. It's, it's intense. But it's like entity intense. But this is like, it's a mixture of things. To me, if I were to, to, to put my theory down, it's a mixture of things. Like I think... Um, you have just like an energy vortex that throws things out of whack that ignites like the gong or that ignites like your energy volcano theory. Um, and certain things, I don't know why, I don't know how like it gets ignited, but that's what I think happens there. But then 
I don't know. I'll save it for the the other episode, but I think there I think there's people involved there causing the disappearances. If you're not all of them, and like I said it's like a like an even share of what's actually going on. Uh but well, mulling over everything you talked about, majority of my theories of one has a relate more with the paranormal. Um, because applying your gong theory and the possibility of how Vortex works um, creates a whole new concept of idea why I thought it was paranormal to begin with, or even why that place is even that way, mm-hmm. and why a lot of places are that way. So I'll save that for part two. But people are like, what? What part two? Part two is going to be kind of intense, and I just wanted to give you guys an overview because there is, is a lot, but the disappearance stories is a lot too. And I definitely want to try and see if we can, like, put together a pattern that's maybe across all of these different ones. Because it's all different kinds of people. There's, like, multiple people. There's individual people that go missing. There's planes. There's stuff like ghost ships, even, that occur in this area. So, Also, it says it relates to what I pulled from your mind force as well. Yeah, get ready for that. <laughs> and then, two, do you think something like the Kushtaka, I think is how you say it? Could exist something like that. It's it's strange that the land triangles, mm-hmm. land not water, mm-hmm. Bermuda and the Dragon Triangle are in the ocean, right? Mm-hmm. But land, well, then again, who knows? I was trying to say something. Maybe there's some correlation to it, but it seems like the land triangles have cryptids, yeah, right? from yeah. the Pukwudgie and the Bermuda Triangle, Bermuda Triangle, and the Bridgewater Triangle. It's got a fucking ton of damn triangles we're talking about. Yeah. Um, in the Bridgewater Triangle is the Pukwudgie, and now in the um. Alaskan mm-hmm. Triangle, there's the Kushtaki. What do you say? Kushtaka? Kushtaka. Yeah. The Otter Man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it seems to be almost always a cryptid with the triangle. So that makes me wonder if there's any kind of like weird ocean cryptids that are in the Bermuda and also the Dragon Triangle. And then two, I think it's interesting because one of the things that I kind of looked up too with the energy vortexes is why is it in a like triangles, like triangle areas. I think it's just a shape that associates yeah. with the cities. Yeah. It could be an octagon if you wanted it to be. Or a circle. Uh, Yeah. So technically the spiritual idea of triangles is that it's a symbol of balance, harmony, and spiritual significance. Uh, triangles are often associated with the elements earth, air, fire, and water. Um, the trinity also, uh, mind, body, spirit, and then uh, the divine feminine and masculine energies. And apparently just the triangle is a very important, like, amplifier of energy. Hmm. Interesting. 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 Yeah. I think that's it for the overview. Um, Definitely got some weird stuff going on there. In conclusion, majority of our theories of what's going on seem to be more on the supernatural side than actual physical. Granted, there is a lot of animals, wilderness, and it's hard terrain and stuff like that. People easily can get lost. Right, because of the weather and the terrain altogether. Mm-hmm. Same goes for national forests and woods here in America, i.e. the App- Appalachian Mountain Trails, Colorado, the Rocky Mountains, and stuff like that. Any kind of woods and forests, natural forests, are just all woods. People go missing all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a logical reason for people missing. But with enough, uh, we call it electromagnetic energy that's influencing um, the instruments of mm-hmm. anything that flies through, or even people's compasses, stuff like that, that tends to be a little bit on the um, not-so-natural occurrences side. 
Yeah. So. Well, I think, too, like, when you think about it, like, anybody that goes through any... Okay. You even think about, like, portals or uh, spirits that have tons of energy behind them. A normal, like, alive person feels... Uh, Disney can feel dizziness, disorientation, vertigo even. So imagine if you fly through a massive like vortex. You're going to yeah. feel stuff like that. And so I just find it interesting. I don't know. I feel like it's a vortex. Well, we'll talk about that in part two. Yeah. All right. Um, so that wraps us up for today. I want the Alaskan Triangle part one. Uh, look forward to Thursday for our anniversary episode. Not anniversary of the show. Uh, anniversary of me and you's marriage. Yep. Yes. Uh, and then we'll do a live that evening as well. And then uh, next week, we'll have part two of the Alaskan Triangle out as well. Also with a bonus episode that following Wednesday or Friday, whenever we put it out. Yes. We're, not, we're, not, it's, we're not putting down days of when we're going to put stuff out. Cause yeah, because it never works we out. We could get an emergency call from some random person, the paranormal team we're associated with, and they're like, oh, we need you to do this. And then that goes our whole evening. Um, so it's spontaneous most of the time, but we will try to get it as soon as possible with everything, um, coming out. But I know for sure Thursday is going to be our anniversary episode. Yes. But as always, um, you can catch our social medias at Hidden the Shadows podcast on Instagram, Hidden in the Shadows 6 on X. I was going to say Twitter for a second. Hidden the Shadows podcast 2 on TikTok. Our links to all our social media and always you can listen to us at Hidden the Shadows podcast.com. Um, but as always. We'll catch your weirdos in the next one. Yes.